close to midnight, something evil is lurking in the dark. Under the moonlight, you see a sight that almost stops your heart. You try to scream, chain rattle, chain rattle, but terror takes the sound before you make it. You start to freeze as horror looks you right between the eyes. You're paralyzed. <laughs> Welcome into Binge in Moderation, everybody. This is your weekly question mark <laughs> jokingly uh pop culture consumption podcast i'm your co-host garrett hale and sitting across this desk from me i'm dennis mcgee <laughs> brilliant foley work sir thanks uh, i thought it was appropriate to roll a die because of the uh fun uh show we're starting today excellent Excellent. Yes. Um, that was a 20-sided die. Just in case anyone's... <laughs> I got a 16 in case anyone's wondering. That's not a bad roll. Ooh, I think yeah, that's a I think it's going to be a successful podcast yeah, roll. Yeah, we're going to have a good podcast today. I like that. So, folks, um, like I said, this is your uh, pop culture consumption podcast, and it is October. Ooh, the spookiest month of the year. We have arrived. And if anybody else picked up on the intro that I read off, uh, that was... Dennis, do you know? Uh, I think that was Monster Mash. <laughs> Close. <laughs> it was Monster Mash Part 2. Oh. Thriller. <laughs> Colon. <laughs> anyway, so this is my favorite month of the year, uh, everybody, and... Because it's so spooky. It's so spooky, and I get to do all the things that I love to do in much more frequency, which is watch scary movies and... Just fill my brain with horror, horror, horrible things. But I, I read off the lyrics to Thriller because it reminded me to bring up a question that I wanted to kind of bring up with Dennis. Oh. Has nothing to do with binging. It's just an interesting <laughs> point about this song that makes me laugh every time I hear it. Okay. I need to search for the exact line. Why does he have cat eyes at the end? Is that, is that cat what... Cat eyes? Yeah, you know, it turns out... Because the whole thing is like... It, it was on a movie screen, but then Michael Jackson turns around and he has the weird cat eyes at the end. So was it a, what, is it a dream or is it a movie or was it real? What? Oh, it was real. Oh. Thriller's based on a true story. <laughs> okay. I've, I've only read the thriller novel. Oh, no, okay. The, the novelization <laughs> of the song thriller. <laughs> I haven't actually heard the extremely famous song. Is there, <laughs> is there any added content? <laughs> well, you if you've never heard the song, I guess you couldn't. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I haven't. I've only read the, the book. So, if we look into the canon of the song Thriller, the line in the song reads, They're out to get you. There's demons closing in on every side. They will possess you unless you change the number on your dial. Okay. Does this posit that a demon, if it were out to get you, that could possess you, all it needs is your phone number? If you could change your phone number and save yourself from the harm in a scenario. (laughs) I think it's saying that if you keep listening to Michael Jackson's music, it will possess you. It's talking about the radio dial. So you have to change that, and then the scary song can't get you anymore. Ooh. See, my interpretation of that was a phone dial. But if we're talking about when this song came out and radio being a much bigger thing, you're right. Or maybe it was even talking about uh, the dial on the television. Cause it, there you go. Because that was like the one of the big music videos on MTV when that happened. Yeah, that's true. So... Could be well, that. I really want to keep believing it's a, it's a telephone dial because <laughs> I want to, to imagine. <laughs> I want to imagine we're in a uh, Nightmare on Elm Street scenario where Freddy Krueger <laughs> is trying to possess somebody and he's got the phone number and he's like, "Hello, is this Deborah?" No. Oh, okay. See he's ya, like, Jenny. I've got your number, <laughs> <laughs> bitch. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna come and cut your head off. That's Freddy Cougar, right? He's yeah. his bitch. Yeah, that was his tagline. Yeah. The famous, famous <laughs> original tagline from that goofy prankster. <laughs> bitch. Okay. Anyway, my little tangent aside, we're talking Stranger Things because we are in the spookiest time of year, and what better thing to talk about than a show that is filled with all kinds of spooky alien foreign creatures. I feel like 
the Duffer Brothers reached into your mind and pulled this show out of it. You think so? Because this this feels like a show that was just made for you. I think so too, and that's probably I think that's exactly why it, it struck such a chord with me. But it didn't just strike a chord with you. This show is crazy popular. And that is where I'm leading into with the show's recent success. Why do you think it blew up so much to points where people love it? To such a degree. Well, there is... Uh, well, one, it's incredibly well acted, I think. Um, I Like, even the smaller characters who aren't given too much to do with really give their all to their parts and add more than is on the paper. Like Barb, for example. That's true. Really, like, I don't think anybody was expecting the reaction that Barb got, and it's because... She added, was well, because the actress, um, whose name I'm blanking on right now, kind of gave her character extra depth and, I don't know, she played it with, I don't know exactly how to say it, she played it with like a, a real depth that maybe it doesn't feel like was on the page because they no one expected the reaction Barb got. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's not just her. She's the most extreme example of it, but I think everybody in the show kind of brought their A-game Yeah, all the way up to the most important parts. Well, and to me, it, it is so hard. I think I've talked about this before, maybe in this setting or somewhere else, but I think it, it is so hard to capture good kid acting. Yeah. And, and that's these, what you get. These kids all do a great job, I think. Entire show. Like, mm-hmm. from the kids to the adults. Like, Winona Ryder doing her Winona Ryderist yeah. role. She she plays desperation. Even in these first two episodes, she plays desperation and panic. Like, so well. Like, I've seen some people say she was over the top, but I think it's 100% credible and believable and scary. Oh, yeah, right on The situation she gets put in. Absolutely. But I don't know. It's like to me, I think there is a resurgence of things from the 80s that are just popping back up. Yeah, there's a lot of um, 80s kind of retro nostalgia having to like come back. We've seen it in music and... um, even in, television. Yeah, in television. Outside in, of Stranger Things, I would argue that even like Black Mirror pulled stuff from the 80s. Yeah, and even looking at movies like Thor Ragnarok looks incredibly 80s. That's coming out um, next month. All the colors, yeah. Yeah, this is all the like the 80s neon and things like that. It's that aesthetic mm-hmm. um, is really coming back around and becoming more in style again. Well, the aesthetic, the music... Yeah. The style, the art, it's all coming back. And mm-hmm. even with like even if you look at horror movies and books and stories that are coming like just looking at Stephen King, yeah. all the stuff that's coming out of his yeah. wheelhouse that was directly from the late seventies, eighties, mm-hmm. and the huge bombs that we've had with, well, the not so successful Dark Tower and the yeah. worldwide smashing records it movie. And this show in particular, I think movies were its biggest influence. It is a TV show that feels like a long movie, even Mm -hmm. more so than other, I think, um, streaming-only television shows do. It really, just because all of it's, all all of the things it's cribbing from, taking influence from, homaging to, are... Movies and not as much TV shows. I think. Well, and I think that's that's a challenge I'm going to pose to both of us as we're as we're like discussing these episodes. I want to I want us to try and dig into our experience with 80s movies and culture. Which I don't know how I don't know how far we're going to get with that because we sure. were both born in '89, and we'll be able to try and dig into different influences that we feel like this show is tapping into. Mm. Um, so, without further ado, we are going to do the first two episodes tonight. Um, the uh, I guess this week, and in the next couple of weeks, we will do three episode sets for oh, those of you watching at home. And if, if you're familiar with it, or if you want to watch the episodes a little ahead of time, and then join back up with us and listen to our discussions. But the very first episode, we don't get these 
episodes don't open with the credits directly. You get a short... You get a little cold open. Get a little cold open, and then the episode title pops up. Right off the bat, uh, I'll say I, f- I forgot how fast uh, and really how much is in these first two episodes. Mm-hmm. Because, well, right off the bat, you start off with... Um, Desmond running out of the bunker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> whoa, sorry. Well, no, wrong show. <laughs> no, um, you start out with that scientist guy running out of the bunker, and this is a real horror tropey thing where he, well, one, he hits the button on the elevator like a hundred times. Yep. So you know he's in a clear like, panic. Yeah. Uh, desperate panic, trying to get away from whatever he's running away from. And then he keeps looking back down the hall, back down the hall, but then he's attacked from above. Yeah. So right away, you know, and since he looks like a scientist, you know that there's some science fiction-y kind of stuff. Like maybe he's a mad scientist or just something. And you, since he is scared of something behind him, but he gets attacked from above, you already kind of know that there's something supernatural that you're dealing with. It's not... Um, it's not something that sort of plays by r- the rules that we're used to. Be- I, I think we automatically set a precedent in any TV show or movie when you see a scientist running. Yeah, that's <laughs> what, what have I done? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like in these kind of scenarios, like I'm always trying to figure out if he's trying to outrun an explosion or if he's trying to outrun <laughs> something he's created. But uh, right off the bat, we know that we're dealing with something supernatural and that we're not equipped to deal with. But none of the other, none of the other characters, like we're characters, but <laughs> none of the characters in the show know that yet. They think they're dealing with um, something tragic, but something they understand. Right. And so they're already setting us up to be frustrated with everybody who doesn't know that the monster's real because we already we see it in the very first scene. Right. But right after that, do we get the credits or do we go to the D&D game? I think... Well, th- no, the credits happen because Will disappears and then... or uh, Yeah, Will disappears and then the credits pan up. Okay, but so we go to the D&D game. What I want to point out is I'm going to go ahead and throw out there this is the first time you get a hint of them drawing influence from something else from the 80s because this is straight out of something like Alien. Yeah, it is. You get a dark corridor that uh-huh. seems like it could be on a spaceship. Yeah, yeah. And then it, you like, It totally could have been on a spaceship. Yeah, just, abs- just out of nowhere you get mm-hmm. some kind of like, a, a being that grabs him. And the sort of the running down a corridor thing could even be like a Doctor Who reference. Yeah. Because they run down. Well, the BBC is notorious for reusing sets. Right. And so often in episodes of Doctor Who, they will run down the same corridor <laughs> several times. Uh, this guy only runs down it once, but uh, I think running down corridors, I'm going to count that as a Doctor Who reference. Yeah. Which yeah. was around in the 80s. So that was we'll like the, that. that was the end of Retro Who, wasn't it? Though? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the Eccleston stuff came back, with, brought it all. Yeah, there was a uh, there was a backdoor pilot for a movie in '96, and then the Eccleston stuff in 2005. Right. Um, and the movie's really bad. You watched it? Yeah. Eric Roberts is in it though. Oh hey, Eric yeah. Roberts. He's in everything. He'll do anything. <laughs> he will literally. Here's a chewy. Bar. I'm surprised Eric Roberts isn't in Straight to the so we move away from this this poor soul of the scientist that just gets taken away by some creature or thing, and we immediately jump into something that hits home with us very recently, <laughs> where we're watching a bunch of kids play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, so it's four friends, and we immediately know who our main character is because he's the DM, Yep, which I think is good filmmaking or TV show making or whatever. And we're kind of introduced to the plot of the show through this game of Dungeons and Dragons. It will become important. And a lot of foreshadowing in this. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is really cool. So I basically, you, you get little character moments as introductions to everybody. Yeah. Our main character, oh my God, what's his name? Mike. Mike. <laughs> Mike TV. Who will, who will <laughs> later go on to star in Willy Wonka. Yep. <laughs> actually, funny story, that kid is actually going to play Charlie Bucket in this 
in the Hollywood Bowl thing where they're doing a revamp of Holly, uh, Willy Wonka live. Whoa. And they're going to film it, and John Stamos is going to play Willy Wonka. What? Weird Al's going to do the voices. What? Like songs for the Oompa Loompas. <laughs> Giancarlo Esposito is going to be the Candyman, and they're going to... They're going to somehow bring him in for a bigger role into the story. That sounds really good. It's going to be so awesome. I saw somebody. John super, Stamos as Willy Wonka. Is, yeah, I swear. And if you go really look up. Good casting. If you look it up, there's a superimpose of <laughs> John Stamos's face on Gene Wilder's face. Like he's in the middle of a bunch of Oompa Loompas. And then on the Oompa Loompas, you have two weird owl faces. And it is, it is so awesome. I can't wait. That sounds very good. Yeah, they're going to record it, and I think it's going to be like one of those like um, performances like they did with, what was Sound of Music, one of them they did recently, or Peter Pan? Oh, I don't know. Or like Grease? Something I know like they that. did Grease. Okay, so they're, right, they're playing Dungeons and Dragons, they come upon a big scary monster, uh, we get some character moments of how they all react to the monster. Yeah. Will is indecisive, mm-hmm. um, he has a choice whether he's going to attack it or protect uh, and the DM is just screaming, Adam, what are you going to do? Yeah. Make your decision. <laughs> then he starts choking him out, right? He starts, make your decision. No, he doesn't really do that. Lucas wants him to attack, tells him to stop being a pussy. He yep. will continue to use bad language throughout the entire show, <laughs> and it's really great. And then everybody's favorite character. Oh, my gosh. I can't remember any of their names now. I'm such a bad podcaster. Dustin. Yes. Uh, Dustin, um, Dustin wants him to protect, right? Was D- Dungeons and Dragons was making a resurgence prior to the show, right? Because across other podcasts I listen to, you listen to, and like, uh, I'm I'm just going to assume across other mediums there are people bringing up Dungeons and Dragons, and it is just a fun thing to do, I guess now. Yeah, um, go listen to the Adventure Zone. Everybody, Turn- shameless plug. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I. I wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons since the the show Community. Yeah, they have a few episodes where they play Dungeons and Dragons in the show. Okay, but yeah, it has been kind of popping up here and there in other uh, podcasts and other sort of pop culture stuff. I just had, references to it. I've had no experience with Dungeons. I can't believe I've lived like twenty six years of my life and not had any experience with this game. And then I'm kind of glad I didn't know about it in high school because I feel like it's all I would have done because no, it's so us much growing fun. Up, so I want to relate this. So it's these these four dudes playing Dun- Dungeons and Dragons, and I feel like between Dennis and me, we had a group that was very similar to this. Yeah, growing up, we would have done this. Well, we, I don't. Well, we did do this, but our vice was a little game called Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, we played a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh. We sat around <laughs> a table and played a shit ton of <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh, and I'm not. I am not ashamed of, about this at all, folks. Come mm, at me. We're really good at it. We are really good at it. <laughs> we went to a Nationals here in Nashville. Fight us. <laughs> Before, uh, oh, they roll the dice and it goes off the table. Yeah. And then they're interrupted by Will's mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you gotta who, go home. Yeah, who makes everybody go home because it's a school night. Uh, it was revealed that they've been playing for 10 hours. <laughs> I think it's really, <laughs> really funny. I had no idea it was going to take 10 hours to set up. And her and his mom is just taken back like, Y'all been playing for 10 hours? <laughs> we also get introduced to, through Dustin, he introduces us to Mike's older sister. Yep. He offers her some pizza. She's on the phone with a boy. Nancy. Uh, and she tells him to get lost, essentially. Yep. They head out, and it's Will, Dustin, and Lucas. They mm-hmm. hit their bikes, and they hit the road. And that's, that's it for Mike for now. And as they're all going their separate ways... Yeah, Lucas branches off yeah. first, and then Dustin and Will decide that they're going to race yep. for a comic book. And then they get separated? Is that right? Yeah, they'll, they get separated, and then well, Will is just... I think he's just going home at this point. Yeah. And then he veers off the side of the road. Oh, so this is our first introduction to... Because his bike has a light on it. Yeah. And this is our first introduction to electric... Uh, lights, especially lights and radios, really start to act up whenever something weird is going down. Yeah. So his light goes out and he sees something. Well, is and the, that causes him something? to crash. Yeah, he sees something and then he, he crashes off the side of the road and then he starts running. Yeah. Wait, a, this, uh, I want to point out, he drives into the facility road. 
that there has been some kind of incident from the beginning of the show. Is that what he? he yeah, he drove. drove past, he drove into the gate, and uh. so it led me to believe that him and his family live on the premises <laughs> of this test facility. <laughs> I couldn't remember that he gets home. I was surprised when he, when I was rewatching this that he actually makes it home. Yeah, and that's why I was so confused. Yeah. But I think I think the idea was that he just drove through this place yeah. because he goes off road and then eventually is at home. Yes, and then when he gets there, he locks himself up. And there's this creature across the woods that just straight up looks murderish. Yes, it's a very scary monster. He tries to call the police, but his phone doesn't work. Yep. And then, this surprised me too, because I didn't remember it, is he actually gets a gun <laughs> and like loads it and is ready to kill the thing. Yeah, the, do- the dog is freaking out, yeah. and then he runs out to the shed and loads up this gun. Yeah. This is the 80s, too. So yeah. This is not like you're hiding your weapons. Just keep them out. Yeah, no. Just they're in the shed. Yeah. Whatever. But then it turns out the monster's behind him, and he gets abducted, and credits. Opening yep. credits. Which are phenomenal. Beautiful. They're amazing. It's just floating letters, and then mm-hmm. the heavy synth. And that font. Yeah. That font. font is so 80s. I don't. I just don't get it. It's so... It makes me feel like I'm watching kind of the intro to a video game, uh-huh. or I don't know. It struck such a chord with me with that heavy synth, and I'm a. And the thing is, like all of that harkens back to like John Carpenter because all of like mm. the scores in his movies, like he loved that freaking. He loves that instrument. Yeah, he loves putting synthesizer in his freaking movies. I love it. But we get the like the intro with all the flying letters and it falls into place and then you get the title of the episode, Chapter One, The Vanishing of Will Byers. Which we've already seen. Which we've already seen. Yep. It's just like all of it is so good. Leading in. And then we we the the camera opens up the next day with the sheriff, right? Yeah, we get the sheriff right now and we we get a lot of character through action with him too. Uh, yeah, his entire like just from just from the setting of where he lives, he's sleeping on the couch. Yeah, he's really at his own disheveled. house. Yeah, at his um, house. He uh, the first thing he does is go outside and have a cigarette. Yep. Then he takes a shower. He drinks a beer while getting ready. Yeah, he drinks a beer <laughs> while he's getting ready. He. This uh, is my kind of dude. He brushes his teeth. And then it cuts, in the middle of him brushing his teeth, it cuts to him having another cigarette directly after he brushes his teeth. Yeah. And then he takes the pills with a beer and then puts another cigarette in his mouth. Yeah. So before he has said a word, he smoked three cigarettes, drank a beer, and took some what became, what turns out to be anti-anxiety medicine. Yeah. So this guy is... He's got a lot of problems. Yeah. Is what you can hear he, you're gathering. Yeah. He's not taking care of himself. No, not at all. And I think that's all we get of him. I don't. Uh, the, he he does end up at the the police station, and everybody just kind of has this jovial, lighthearted relationship with him, where it doesn't look like he's a super strict dude. No. And so we get them. Like he's just walking around, kind of like saying howdy to everybody around the office. And is this when we get Winona Ryder? Well, we have a scene. Maybe it is before this. We have a scene where Winona Ryder's character Joyce yeah. is um, getting ready for work. She's Will's mom. Right. I know what you're talking about. Okay. So yeah, we got the getting ready scene, and they're trying to figure out what's up with Will. Yeah, Will's mom and his older brother Jonathan. They're trying to figure out where he is. Jonathan's not really worried about it. He's yeah. like, he's probably just at Mike's house. They were over there late last night. You. We learned that Mike's. Sorry. We learned that Will's dad is not in the picture mm-hmm. and that Jonathan is picking up extra shifts so he can contribute to the family. Right. Um, so they're pretty poor. She's a single mom. She's very stressed out all the time. Yeah. Um, and now her son's missing. So the only thing they can assume is that he's at school and they just haven't... There's there's no reason to worry at this moment. Right. Um, they just figure... She calls Mike's mom um, and lies to her. Um, because I assume, well, she's, she's like, is, uh, is Will over there? She's like, he didn't come home last night. He's like, oh no, he probably just went to school early. Don't worry about it. And I assume that she probably feels like looked down upon by the other families. Yeah. I feel like, cause she doesn't have it all together and she probably feels like Will's mom, sorry, Mike's mom. Mike will you made it. <laughs> Mike will made it. You, you want these people to be the same. Yeah, character. I do. <laughs> uh, 
that their family has it all together, um, even though they totally, totally don't. We get we 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 understand that Will's mom now knows that something is up, and she starts getting worried about it. Yeah. And then we actually go to the school, where all, where we find out that the boys, nerds as they are, are shockingly getting picked on by bullies. Which this is straight out of some like any Stephen King movie or book you've ever read or mm. seen, and it's. I guess you just. I, I guess you have to build the idea that like. We just have to keep putting details in to keep proving how nerdy these kids are. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna get at, at some point in these open in this opening sequence. They go there. We find out they're in the AV club and they are the most excited little boys in the world because they get like a long range radio of some yeah. kind. They start doing their Australian accents. Yeah, which I won't do because I'm bad at it. <laughs> Good day, mate. There you go. Throw another shrimp on the radio dial. Fosters. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a knife. <laughs> That's not a podcast microphone. Now this is a microphone. Uh, yeah, these kids would definitely be podcasting if they were in 2017. Yeah, but they'd be they would be fulfilling the the dream podcast that I kind of want to do where you podcast about what's going on in um the National Enquirer. Like that's that's that is another podcast idea I've had that I want to do so bad. Say that again? Do you know what the National Enquirer is? Like the Bigfoot sighting yeah. ones? You yeah, Vampire Baby. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that stuff doesn't happen anymore now that people... Oh, you'd be surprised. These, really? These magazines are still out there. But everybody has a camera on them all the time now. Yeah. And people still take out of photos pictures of Bigfoot? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, lose lose 50 pounds in two days by eating jelly donuts. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about, man. But this is not that podcast. I'm I might zombo. start that one day. They notice that Will is not at school, so they start to get a little bit upset. Yeah, while they're in the AV club, they, the principal comes in and says, hey, we need to talk to you about it. And so the Hopper, the police chief, starts to question Will's friends about where he is, and they just keep... Uh, they just keep talking about the Hobbit. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> and he has no idea what's going on. Right. But eventually, he figures out about where they think uh, Will would have disappeared. Yep. Cut to the mm, woods, right? No. Or, first, we cut to Nancy making out with Steve. Oh man, yes, we get the introduction of the best character in this whole show. <sighs> Steve. Steve. Guys, if you are looking for a definite, kind of trying to get the idea of what a cool dude is. Look no further, because in Stranger Things, you get the definition of cool guy, Steve. Steve is so horny. He's the coolest dude around. (laughs) He's got the awesome hair. Yeah. He's making out with chicks in bathrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we we also get introduced to Barb right before this. Um, Yeah. Uh, wonderful, wonderful Barb, who is friend of Nancy yeah. from the beginning of the show. Yeah, and uh, Nan- Nancy is like... So, basically, Nancy is now making out make-out buddies with the cool, the coolest dude in school. Yeah, he's sleeping around, too. Yeah, of course he is, dude. He's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Look, at, look at him, man. He's got the hair and the really tight polos. Yeah. Um, and the... Uh, uh, parents who are out of town. Uh, Every cool kid's parents are out of town. <laughs> um, so uh, that's the eighties. That's the eighties. Eighties is trope. Yeah, I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> then Ferris Bueller walks by. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, so Barb is stressed out because. Well, she's happy for Nancy, but she's stressed out at the same time because she's afraid Nancy is going to become cool and leave her behind because Nancy is going through somewhat of a sexual awakening well, in the beginning of this. They do say nerdy girls take a little bit longer. Yeah, they definitely do. Say that slower. Yeah, so Nancy's going through a sexual awakening. All right, a little faster. I'm a little creeped out. Yeah, so she and Steve <laughs> make it out of the bathroom. And uh, he wants to make plans for the night, but she's got to study. Yeah, study. We know what that means. Yeah, we know what that means. Clothes off. (laughs) Textbooks out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, 
All we all we have done in this scene is establish a few more characters that are going to be important in the show. We have Barb. We have Steve. He is the coolest dude around. And then we cut. We are at the diner now. Uh, well, first off, we cut to. I want to get to the diner. Come on. We cut to the guys, the hazmat suits from ET. Oh yeah. Um, and and they're checking out some goo. Yeah, this is a. Some more deep diving into Alien. Yeah, it looks very gross. It is growling at them. And then the main dude says, what about the girl? Or sorry, one of the dudes says, what about the girl? And the main dude says, she can't have gone far. And now we cut to the diner. Now we can get to the (laughs) diner. Okay. So we are now at this diner run by a dude named Benny. They make you love Benny immediately. Because he's great. Because he's great and he's cooking up food. And who doesn't love a dude that's cooking up food? He's, ta- and he's cooking up food, talk, cutting jive with his regulars. Cutting jive, you know. <laughs> what do you say? Cutting wise? I don't know. What is I don't really know he's what just, he's cutting. He's just joking it up with his regulars, having a good time. Yeah. And a girl. Actually, it's kind of hard to tell if it's a girl or a boy. At a this little point. bald uh, human in like a hospital gown. Starts eating the French fries out of the kitchen. Starts just eating the in the fries, and Benny comes back and is like, "What are you doing, you little rat?" He didn't really say that, but he does <laughs> try to shoo her off if I catch her. So we love Benny, right? We love Benny. Do you recognize Benny from any movies he's been in lately? I don't know who this dude is. Okay, so he's been in this. He's in he's in a show called This Is Us, where he plays a super fat guy. All right, not fat in this show though. Now I briefly met him at the Heroes and Villains Con that I went to. In Nashville. So you're best friends with Benny? Yeah, I'm best friends with Benny. Okay. Uh, No, uh, I just, like, shook his hand and said, you're great in things. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But he played a little role in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Whoa! You want to guess who he played? Um, Is he Taserface? He's Taserface. Oh, my (laughs) God. This is Taserface. Yeah, Benny is Taserface. Dude. <laughs> he's obviously in heavy makeup for yeah. that. Yeah. But he's very funny in that, too. He does have a long face, and so I was trying to, like, yeah. like translate that. That's so good. <laughs> that is awesome. So, obviously, he's a versatile actor. Benny is much different than Taserface. <laughs> uh, Benny's a nice guy. Taserface is not a very nice guy. No, not at all. This scene is just, uh, he, Benny takes the girl that we eventually find out. She's in a medical gown. Mm-hmm. He warms up to her by making her some food. She sits down, starts just chomping down on it. Cause, so she's obviously super hungry. Yeah. And feral. Under, seems like. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. yeah. And he just, he's doing his best to get her to talk and talk. And like, obviously he's not getting anywhere until he takes the food away. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you you got to answer some questions or I'm not giving you anything. And it's still hard. Uh, yeah. It's still harder to get her to answer. But he also gives her a big t-shirt. Big so. t-shirt. So he has normal people clothing now. Yeah. And he eventually gets, uh, he sh- or she shows him her tattoo um, and tells him that her name is Eleven. And then well, he, she points at herself. So we yeah. don't know exactly how much she can say. Yeah, I think she, the only word she says is no yeah. in this. And then he goes to make a phone call to social services. Right. She does something a little strange. I don't know if we know that she does this with her mind. <sighs> yeah. At it, this point. It's unclear, but she stares at a fan, and the fan stops squeaking. Yeah, it stopped. It's just supposed to, it, this is just supposed to be a weird moment where you're mm-hmm. thinking, whoa, does, does this chick have powers or something? And she tucks right back into her food after that. Yeah, <laughs> she goes back to town. She's so hungry. But guess what, Garrett? The what? cops have found Will's bike. Whoa, Will's bike. It's a pretty sick bike, too. Yeah, they find his bike. They decide that if he crashed it, he probably would have walked it back home unless he couldn't walk. So they're really worried about him. They make it back to or the hopper. The uh, police chief hopper goes back to Will's house to look around for everything. Questions... Joyce a lot. He takes it upon himself to say, I'm going to go question your ex-husband. Yeah. Because now he says 99% of all these cases, it's a family member mm-hmm. and the kid has just run away or they've been abducted. And at some point in this, the other cops talk about Hopper's daughter, Sarah, yes. who died several years before the show started. 
Yeah, so we're setting up more and more, or we're going deeper and deeper into these characters. And this mm. first episode is just primarily setting up this world that we're in. And so we that have, definitely explains why he takes such terrible care of himself. And he's yeah, so he's mm-hmm. he's mentally he seems like he's mentally distressed every single day. But Jonathan says, "I'm going to go with you because if my dad finds out that there's a cop looking for him, he's just gonna he's gonna head out." Yeah. Which totally makes sense because if I mean, you're also kind of setting up that the dad is like, we know the dad's not a good dude. And Mm -hmm. if a cop is coming for him, he's going to bolt immediately. But Hopper tells him that his mom needs him and then he's going to stay there. Yeah, absolutely. But not really. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Then we go back to the burger joint. Where social services... It's like one in the morning, right? Yeah. It's it's, it's nighttime. Eleven is still eating. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The endless pit of a stomach that she has. Yeah, she's super hungry. uh, A woman knocks at the door. Benny kind of tells her to screw off. Well, no, he invites her in. Yeah, but then she says she's social services, and he's like, oh, sorry, yeah, come on in. Yeah, okay. And then the show takes a turn, Garrett. The show takes a turn... That had me, I think, at this point, uh, it had me on the edge of my seat until the very end of the show. I think, oh, yeah. I think this is what did it for me, is the lady who says she's from social services pulls out a gun and mm-hmm. shoots Benny in the head. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think either of us have any experience with the X-Files. Have you ever watched that show? Actually, I have not. Okay. I've never watched it either, but... The idea that you get some government agency coming in to try and take care of a bigger problem that mm-hmm. the audience is unaware of gives me the idea of kind of what happens in X-Files episode after episode. And so we get that in this scene when she just guns down Benny. Yeah, and as soon as that happens, Eleven bolts, bolts it. She's, she's out of there. She's confronted with two guys at the back door. Yeah. We cut back. We cut away from that to the lady again. Mm-hmm. Hear their screams so we don't know what happens we cut back and they're on the ground and 11 is gone yeah we haven't introduced another character that's in this show the gray-haired man who is matt modine right yeah yeah and he's old actually old old man matt modine <laughs> doing his old maniest bit yeah in the grayest hair you've ever seen walking around and he is the assumed leader of these people hunting down mm-hmm. 11 i don't think we know his name yet but it's brenner Brenner. Brenner, Brenner, Brenner. Once we're done with this scene, we basically wrap up the episode by the boys encountering Eleven. That happens at the very end. Before we do that, Joyce answers the phone and hears breathing on the other end of it. And she's convinced that it's Will. Yeah, it's... it's, I don't... Did you have a hard time understanding the scene? Because I couldn't... I didn't really hear anything happening until I heard a monster growl on the phone. Yeah, she... She just hears, you can hear breathing a little bit. Um, yeah. She's, she says that she re- she would recognize her own son's breathing anywhere. Right. Um, which I'm not a parent, so I don't know. But yeah, she You wouldn't know, Dennis. What? You wouldn't know. I wouldn't understand. You wouldn't understand. Then the boys have gone out to search for Will because he's their friend, and they don't care about curfews or anything. They're going to go find their friend because that's what a D&D party does. I don't know why they just didn't pull out their phones and yeah. activate... <laughs> Find my friend. Yeah, and yeah, find I Will. I mean, that's what every parent would do. I know. Oh, wait. We're in the 80s. Yeah. Just this... It's a lot safer to have Stranger Things in the 2017 <laughs> than it is in 1983 or whenever this is set. Well, and that is that is such a an easy way to fix problems with setting TV and movies nowadays. Because if you take the setting and put it in the past yeah. when we didn't have technology like iPhones... In other like cell phone like like uh, tracking devices as we do now like and I I feel like a lot of uh, movies feel the need to explain away why people aren't using their cell phones yep and sometimes they do a good job and sometimes they do a bad job and it it's takes you out of the job. movie I can't really think of an example of either one right now but yeah I can't think of any on top of my head Cabin in the Woods does a good example yeah because they're at a cabin in the woods and they weren't expecting to have cell service. Right. They're in the middle of a mountain, basically. Yeah. So like behind a mountain. I guess. Yeah. 
that's a fine way to do it. A lot of, I feel like a lot of people just like drop their phones or forget their phones or stuff like that. And that a lot of times it's the battery just dies. Oh God. Yes. That's a really bad example. <laughs> oh no, my battery's going to die and I don't have a charger. Um, well, I'm interested to see, like, in 20 or 30 years when movies are being, like, movies being made then are set nowadays. Okay. And they figure out a way? Well, I assume that people in the future are going to think that it's really silly that our phones were made of glass and okay. we just carried glass rectangles around all the time. <laughs> and so I assume people in movies made about now, especially comedies, people are just going to be constantly shattering their phones yeah. against stuff. It's like, oh, it's made of glass, so it, <laughs> it just shatters all the time. That's what I. That's how I assume they'll make... You know how... Like, we make fun of, like, 80s culture by... Yeah. Like, you know... I feel like... Really future, exaggerating it. I feel like the future is just going to be a bunch of Donald Trump jokes and oh, a lot of... Um, <sighs> uh, a lot of millennial jokes. Oh, God. I mean, we're already getting millennial jokes now. Imagine what it's going to be like in the future when our kids are... Episode two. Uh, <laughs> okay, so at this point, the, the boys have 11, and they're at Mike's house. They've they've uh, taken her downstairs. They've hidden her from the family. And 11 in this scene looks like that gif of cats and or dogs watching treats that go back and forth yeah because she's sitting on a futon they're standing above her uh-huh and they're talking to each other about her and she's just kind of looking back and forth not saying anything right um, and they're like is she deaf does she have cancer why is she trying to take her clothes off in front of us? Lucas like, is convinced that she's broken out of an insane, yeah. like an institution. Yeah, so she's crazy. She's broken out of the loony bin. And they can't tell what to do with her. Why is she covered in blood? They just, like, they have all these questions. She's not talking. And eventually they just give her a sweater. Yeah. But she tries to take her clothes off in front of her and they freak out. And because then boys are adorable. Dustin fixates on her taking her clothes off for a really long time. And I think that's really <laughs> funny. And especially in the scene while she's changing, Dustin does this thing. And I, I'm convinced that it was not in the script for him to do this. Okay. Because he is imitating her taking, like pulling her shirt over her head. Yeah. And he does it. He does a really big motion and he knocks his own hat off. Yeah. And I like, that is super funny to me that he, <laughs> He does it. So, he does such a big motion that he knocks his own hat off, but kind of nobody reacts to it. Yeah. So I think it wasn't in the script, but I think it's really like a good character moment for him because mm-hmm. he is the goofy dude. Yeah, he's really goofy. Yeah, he's not goofy like the character Goofy from Disney. <laughs> no, he's not a dog. He's not who a can dog. Walk and talk and says no. garsh, but <laughs> he's goofy. But in this scene, we get her changed into a different clothes, and they she communicates that bad people are after her, mm-hmm. and that. That scares the boys, and it convinces them, okay, we will continue to hide you. We will not turn you over to our parents so that they can do what they yeah. will. At first, they come up with a plan that she is going to stay there overnight, yeah, sneak out and ring the doorbell in the morning and say she needs help. But then she convinces Mike that that's a bad plan because of the bad men who are after her with guns. Right. So he skips school and decides to just point out everything in his house to her. and. Yep. I, this is my least favorite thing that the whole show does. What, Mike's enthusiasticness about <laughs> trying to communicate how nerdy he is? Yeah, just Mike, like, this is a lazy boy. This is a blah, blah, blah. This is da, da, da. Yeah. Um, the, only, the only thing I think is kind of funny is when he is explaining who Yoda is to her. <laughs> and he says, this is Yoda. He can move things with his mind. And yeah. she goes, yeah, sure. Like, she just, like, nods, like, yeah, okay, I know. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, don't you all do that to Yeah, me? which is funny because she obviously knows this. But the reason that they do this is so that while he's showing her stuff, she gets bored and she sees a picture with Will in it. Yes. Who she recognizes. Yeah, and it's really strange because, like, Mike notices that she recognizes him and then is is making a connection that maybe she knows where he is yeah. or and can lead lead them to him but that's it i mean uh, the all she does is recognize him she doesn't communicate anything else uh before she can mike's mom comes home yep um well we get a funny scene where he tries to keep her hidden and this i think is an et reference because he hides her in the closet 
Like that's true. And it's like well, I'm not saying that that's the fu- that that's the funny part where she hides because it's very like sad because you get that insight. Or maybe it's a Harry Potter reference. I think, then. Well, Harry Potter's not an '80s thing. <laughs> oh yeah, you're. But yes, I do agree. The this this entire show is riddled with ET references, uh, like like ranging just from lots of Spielberg, tons of Spielberg, Close yeah. Encounters. Oh yeah, ET. Am I am I going dumb? Or AI, AI, <laughs> Super Eight. <laughs> Movies that have never been made <laughs> that haven't been made at this point. It it it, it does feel Spielbergian though. Yep. He convinces his mom that he stayed home from school. Hey, yellow tech sales event, folks. There's some kind of yellow tech sales event going on. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> that is not a real sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Mike has stayed home from school, and he's convinced his mom that he was sick, but not really. And his mom just take just chalks it up to Will being missing and how she yeah, understands. She has a good mom moment right there. Yeah. Um, well, but there's, this is a really funny scene because she says, like, you don't have to lie to me about being sick. If you're just scared, it's fine. I want us to be honest with each other all the time. Yep. There's a bump from up no upstairs where I guess Eleven has made a noise, and she says, "Is anyone else here?" And he goes, "Nope." So as soon as, <laughs> right after she says, "We should always be honest with each other," <laughs> he totally lies to her. Yep. And that was that's a really funny moment. It's good writing right there. Do you think that these kids are real? Like, do you believe these kids? Like, like, do you believe the character of Mike, Dustin, Lucas, as like just boys? Yeah, I or do. do you think they're act? Do you think they're overacting like children in the eighties? And like, are they overplaying the the think, nerdy child? I think it comes off really genuine. Genuine, okay. But, I, I agree. I just didn't. Yeah. I, did, I wanted your take on. I think it wouldn't work if they were overacting it. Okay, but even the irritating parts, like his enthusiasm for just showing off stuff in his house, yeah. feels very authentic, mm-hmm. even though it's annoying because right. sometimes kids are. Annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know who Yoda is. Dork. Idiot. <laughs> Meanwhile, Joyce and Chief Hopper are talking about the phone call. Yes. Uh, he doesn't believe her. He thinks it's just a prank phone call because people know that her son is missing and yeah. people are jerks. She delivers the stab to the heart line. I know my own son's breathing on the phone. Wouldn't you recognize your daughter's? Yeah, and you get that real serious moment where it's like, whoa, that's a low blow. And he he changes here. A lot of stuff goes down for him in just a few minutes yes. for this. He sort of, he's been confronted with a bunch of evidence that doesn't add up. She convinces him that she's right with mm-hmm. that line. Right. He can't handle it at all. So he pops his pills and then immediately starts smoking again. Right. Just because he's so... This, the, the line about his daughter really wrecks him. Yep. And so he, uh, he drives away. Yeah, and Jonathan, kind of at the same time this scene is going on, is at school putting up the missing posters, and then we get more of the, the Steve... And Nancy and their friend group dynamic where they're watching him and Steve mm-hmm. just is being a cool guy. Steve making fun of him saying, hey, look at that loser putting up, caring about his brother. The other dude is a mazer douche nozzle says, I bet he killed him. I bet he killed him. Ah. <laughs> Screw you, dude. Tom H or whatever your name is. Tom. Yeah. Tom. What Tom. A dumb name. Tom. Not yeah. really. <laughs> I know a Tom. He's a cool dude. Yeah. Uh, any of our listeners named Tom. Garrett does not speak for me. <laughs> <laughs> At me on Twitter, Toms of the world. <laughs> that name sucks. <laughs> Come and fight me. I'll duel you. Uh, but Nancy goes over to talk to him and says, I'm sorry about your brother. So I guess we're supposed to think she's a little bit nicer than her friends. She's more sympathetic to his cause, understanding mm-hmm. that he is going through something tough. She knows that her brother was really good friends with him, and I think right. she's trying to imagine what she would be in this exact same moment if it had been Mike that had gone missing. Yep, I agree. 
she's actually capable of empathy, unlike yeah. uh, cool guy Steve over there. I mean, Steve's the coolest. He's above empathy. Yeah, I know. He's, he's always cool. Steve, my spirit animal. <laughs> so after that, Jonathan hauls ass to his dad's house, and his dad is a huge loser douchebag. Yeah, he sucks. He's just living with this this lady, and it just kind of seems like uh, he might have some kind of like overnight job, and they're hanging yeah. out. And he's basically the worst. He uh, doesn't seem to care that Will's gone. Yeah, not at all. He just kind of immediately blames Joyce for being a bad mom, even though he's clearly a worse dad. Uh, but that's kind of all. The whole point of that is that he sucks. Yeah. We get a well, little flashback do... to uh, the clash, the should I stay or should I go, yeah. comes on the radio while he's on his way to his dad, and it cuts back to him and or Jonathan and Will having a moment about music they both like. And this is a good moment where I want to point out Something in the show that I love, in that it's referential. We live in a world, or we we are, we are experiencing Stranger Things. That is a world where they are aware of other pop culture things that have happened. Uh-huh. Because in the beginning of the episode, when they're talking about Eleven escaping from an institution, Dustin says, "Oh, you, oh, that's a lot like Michael Myers, right?" Mm-hmm. And then later in this flashback scene that um, Dennis is referring to, there's an Evil Dead poster on the wall. Oh, I didn't catch that. And like, like something that's so cool to me is on top of the feel and the content of the show, you get like even the music. Yeah. With, should I stay or should I go? Or um, uh, I'll stop the world and melt with you later on at the mm. pool scene. Africa earlier while uh, they're making out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. But uh, all these influences are things mm. that they also have in this world. I love it. And they're all so much. They're all era appropriate too. Yeah, and And it's really cool. It makes it feel really lived in. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And projecting forward, if we want to go ahead and bring up the trailers that we've seen for season two coming up, I haven't seen any. Oh, you haven't? I can't bring it up then. Maybe we'll. You can bring it up. I saw the first one a long time ago. Well, surely you've seen the picture of them all dressed up as Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, yeah. That's something that they've seen in this universe then, that they are dressing up as for Halloween. That, it feels like something they would absolutely do because there's yeah. four of them. One of them's black. Like, oh uh, man, yeah. I can't wait to get a season two. It's going to be so good. I know. What is it? How many days? Countdown. Twenty two. Yep. All right. Anyway, we're nope. back that in day's the... the podcast. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's okay. October fifth. <laughs> the time is currently 8.57 It is 71 degrees outside <laughs> Oh, I've got 64 Oh <laughs> Weird <laughs> Our our address is <laughs> Beep, 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 beep No <laughs> My new office um, <laughs> yeah, This is a lovely house uh, Yeah, thank you Thank you, thank you. Uh, Let's see The flashback scene is just Jonathan and Will having a moment where it's them connecting. Yep, over something they both actually like. Well, uh, uh, Jonathan's introducing him to music and The Clash. And he gives him the mixtape. Yep. Which mixtapes are also a very uh, era-appropriate thing to be talking about. Very much so. And then he snaps back out of this, and he's just driving on. Nothing else happens. And we go back to the basement after this. Okay. This is a big scene. So they're arguing about what to do with Elle. Yes. Lucas is like, screw this. I'm making an executive decision. I'm telling an adult I don't want to deal with it anymore. Yep. He goes to grab the door, and the door slams shut. And he opens the door, and it slams shut. And they turn around, and they see that Eleven has a nosebleed, and she also has mind powers. I don't know how I would react to this, personally. If that happened to you? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would freak out. I would freak out, and then I would immediately say, teach me how to do this. <laughs> Unlock my mind. <laughs> and then I would expect her to put her finger on my forehead, and then Ellie, all, the uh, se- <laughs> all the secrets of, like... She, you, to you know, Lucy, you? Yeah, to Lucy. Or you to know Limitless. How, yeah, you Lim- know how humans only use, like, God, 20% no, of their brain? Stop it. I want to use all 100% and, okay. and turn me into a flash drive. Yeah. <laughs> turn me into a Lucy. A real Lucy situation here. Okay, so after this, Hop uh, goes to investigate uh, the death of our best friend, Benny. 
who has been Benny. staged to look like he killed himself, and it's yeah. very sad. Very sad. Eventually talks to somebody who saw L at the diner. Yeah. Thinks it was a boy. One of the regulars. Yeah, one of the regulars. Uh, he thought it was a boy. It, it comes across that maybe it was Will who somebody cut his hair. He doesn't really seem convinced, but it's enough of a lead for Hop to go on. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense that missing child, Will. Yeah, it, it could have been him. Now there's a party at Steve's house. Yeah, cool guy Steve. Parents are out of town. We got drinks. Yeah. We're going to have ladies. So Nancy is totally ready for this party yeah she's super duper into it she convinced barb to go barb doesn't want to go barb is so i don't know why you wouldn't go to this party i mean they start shotgun beers as a pool and there's some awesome music yeah what are you you super lame what's going on she poor barb cuts her hand oh yeah because she wants to be cool and join in the fun while she's trying to shotgun a beer she cuts her hand with the knife Beers to the bathroom. Yeah, and while she goes in to um, find a Band-Aid or whatever, everybody else jumps in the pool and starts having a good time. Cut to Eleven sort of explaining where Will is. Yeah, they're actually in the basement. Uh-huh. They're arguing, and Eleven takes the D&D board and flips it over. Flips it over and says, Will's here. She holds up Will's D&D-like piece, yeah. his character, his little wizard guy. Um, says, this is Will. He's here on the back of the board. He's hiding. And they're like, is he hiding from the bad people? And she's like, nope. She's hiding from, or he's hiding from the uh, the Demogorgon, the big monster that they were fighting earlier. The monster. Which, at this point in the show, or at this point, we... The only thing we know is that this thing looks like a has the has a, uh, a humanoid shape. Yeah, we know it's creepy looking and it makes creepy noises. And it's interdimensional because it's in this world with Will and mm. also in the real world. Right. So like, like it's spiking so much more interest to find out that there's like so much more going on in this universe. I mean, we've got we've got the men in white exploring this hole in their facility mm-hmm. wall with like all this alien goop, and then we have we we have this communication from Eleven explaining that there is a different place. You're right. Will is not on the board. He's, right. He's, he's not. <laughs> he's under the board. Yeah. He's off the board hiding. Yeah. And we we get this big dramatic shift in tone from okay now he's we're dealing with very serious about yeah. it. Absolutely. But Jonathan is sneaking around out in the yeah. woods trying to fight, take pictures. Yeah, he's uh, taking pictures of Steve and Nancy in the party. Everything seems like it's kind of okay at first, but then it starts to take a turn for the creepier. Yeah, so they go inside, and Barb and Nancy have a little scene where Nancy tells her to go home. Barb tells her that, Hey, this. Are you sure you want to do this? And she's like, "Yes, I'm. Done, I'm good to go." Yep. She goes upstairs. Yeah, Nancy. Well, everybody goes upstairs to bang. Yeah, I mean, um, they just all they all go eat the f rooms. Uh, Jonathan takes a few pictures of Nancy through the window, which I think is the creepy part that you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, it gets pretty creepy right here. It goes straight into voyeurism at this point. Yeah. Um, he also gets a good picture of Barb. Sitting on the... Sweet, alive Miss Barb. Yeah, sweet, alive Barb. In her alive body. Uh, <laughs> she's going to be fine. <laughs> Barb's going to carry us through the whole show. Yep. She drops some blood into the pool, and then we get the telltale flickering lights. Yep, you start to get the sense that something's about to happen. Lights go out. Lights go out, and that's the episode. Yep, episode's over. At this moment, we'd like to do an in memoriam. Well, actually, do we do the in memoriam now no, or in the next episode? We should wait till the next episode. Okay, I'll do it in the next episode. As we go, uh, <laughs> we remember. So I'm gonna take back that spoiler alert and just like <laughs> Barb's fine. Yeah, we just haven't gotten to that point. Sure, she probably just fell in the pool. Yeah, she just fell in the pool, and she hasn't resurfaced yet. All right, so uh, what do you think about these two episodes? I'm hooked. Yeah, I can't. Uh, we both obviously watched this before, but I couldn't believe how much goes, like how much of the story we get. Yeah. In these first two episodes, it really goes goes for it. So for me, 
the very first episode sets up the universe. Yeah. We get a little bit of the character development, but it's not until episode two that you start getting a full sense of the greater danger going on here. Mm. You get a little bit more insight to, uh, like, Nancy and what she's going through with, like, the relationship with Steve and how she really is just a just a teenager in high school and everybody is, like, yeah. experiencing hormones. Yep. And then you get more character development with the boys and their, their, their nerdiness, how much they care about Will. And even in, like... You get there, like, them going, like, they haven't gone through, I guess, is puberty, like, something they've hit yet? Because they think, think so. they think girls are super gross right now. <laughs> and, like, to, to us, that's super hilarious. But, like, in the context of the show, it makes sense that we're setting up these characters as sort of, um, uh, is, it, is it polyamorous? Is that the word I'm looking for? Where we don't look at each other as sexual? Uh, asexual? No, it's not asexual, but we don't. They're not acting on sexual instincts, and they don't think that when they find out that Eleven is a girl, um, they think that's super gross. And, like, none of them are trying to date her. Right. But as opposed to, like, in the recent movie, um, It, uh, after all the boys start hanging out with Beverly, they are all infatuated with her, and they all want are, are experiencing teenage feelings where they want to, like, hmm. be the boyfriend or explore, like, physical affection. You don't get any of that in this show where everybody, like, they are just boys and like just having fun and like worried about their friends. Yeah, there's not much there's not much romance for the boys. No, not at all. That's and all Nancy's thing. Yeah, exactly. That that's she is the John Hughes romance type. John Hughes is the name I was trying to think of earlier when we were talking about uh, yeah. the party. Yeah. Right. So we have there are just so many elements of these like 80s influences that we're seeing all kind of wrapping themselves up in different characters and aspects. And it's the, it's the, it's the ambiance. It's the characters. It's the aliens, the interdimensional. Mm. It's all of this stuff. The and area 51, the little white suits, the little details, the evil dead posters, the clash, like yeah, all the way down to that stuff. Everything just has me mm-hmm. so pulled in. And it's only two episodes. And I hate that we only have eight episodes of the show, but it even but it makes it that much better, because with mm-hmm. only eight episodes worth of details, it feels like they planned it intricately. Yeah, I'm trying not to get a, like try not to get ahead of these two episodes right. because I know some people haven't seen this, and uh, at least one of our listeners, Michael Clark, shout out to Michael Clark, has not watched the whole show, and he's starting it with us. So right. that's fun. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So trying not to get ahead of uh, while we go through this, try not to spoil anything. But these two episodes set up so much of the themes that are gonna we're gonna see throughout the whole thing. Yeah, and that and that's the thing is these two episodes are episode one is setting up tone. Episode two mm-hmm. is build, build, build. There's su- such a great introduction to right. the show. Yeah, and that's I mean that's gonna be us for the next three weeks as we break mm-hmm. down. Season one of Stranger Things, and when season two hits on October twenty seventh, we are just going to be all in on that until, I mean, until, until we're done. Until it's done, going yeah. through that. That'll pre- that'll probably take up another three episodes into November, I would say. But these two episodes had so much into it. Um, thank you guys for tuning in this week. Uh, we have. I uh, before we go, I have a little bit of follow up from okay. our last uh, well, a few episodes ago. When we talked about streaming, okay, a listener has sent in some news. All right, uh, we talked about Netflix pricing and how it is pretty cheap for the content you get. Yes. Uh, since we made that episode, it turns out Netflix is raising its prices. Oh no! <laughs> so uh, I don't know if we did that or. Uh, um, guys, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we done we done bad. Yeah, so, whoops. We done batted it up. Tomorrow you'll be paying $100 for your Netflix subscription. Sorry. I wouldn't pay that. I wouldn't pay a dime more than I'm paying right now. Netflix is listening. Yeah. Uh, How are you going to watch Stranger Things? The goddess. Got me. All right. Uh, But that's all all the follow-up I have. Yeah, okay. The, The prices are going up a dollar. We are in the future. It is happening to us right now where 
we have gone from like $7 to $8 to $9. Eventually, we'll be mm-hmm. facing a brand new cable bill that is a streaming service of itself. God. <laughs> we, knew, we knew it was going to come. That's all I can say. It's business. It's supply and demand, folks. Yeah. It's inflation. Yep. All right, that's all for me, though. Yeah, uh, guys, get at us. Um, if you're in, if if you're enjoying this discussion on Stranger Things, talk to us on face. Uh, not not Anywhere. the face Twitter. Hit, talk to us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Garrett Hale eighty nine. I'm Denny Trumpet. We are our, our podcast handle is at binge underscore pod. Email us. Send us questions. Um, you want to know how we binge moderately? You want to you want to know what underwear I'm wearing every day? <laughs> You want to know? You want to know the rules? Spoiler alert! It's none. <laughs> Only you would know that. Underwear. Underwear. It's a, it's my own brand. <laughs> it hasn't hit the market yet. <laughs> Flood our emails with questions. We will give you our insight to how you rate conquer. us on iTunes. Yeah, five, iTunes. Give us five star ratings. Stop listening right now. Go rate us on iTunes. Give it us takes. five star ratings and just say the word fuck <laughs> in the. <laughs> <laughs> that basically sums up everything you need to say. <laughs> Love it. Five stars, F word. <laughs> anyway, yeah. on that note. We need those stars. Yeah, we do. Guys, we would love you forever, and we would read your comments. I'll write a song for you. I don't care. Whoa. All right. Yeah, I'm throwing gonna, it out there. I'm going to go leave a review right now. You've already left for you. <laughs> All hey, right. t- test me. Seriously, mm, yeah. test me, guys. Test me. I'm a good songwriter. I write good songs. My he favorite does. artist is Weird Al. What? What? Uh, Speaking of, go what? listen to me talking Weird Al to you on yes. the Weird Mountain Podcast Network that this show is also on. Yes. Garrett we're... does that show, and they do a good job. Me and Dakota Rimmer talk Weird Al, and we're really good at it. We just did an interview with a guy who wrote a book with Weird Al. Yeah. And he was extremely fun to talk to. That's that a good interview. episode. That's Thank a really you good very episode. much. You guys did a great job. Also, go and listen to Adam Loring's podcast, Part 2, The Sequel Returns. They just now dropped an episode where him and Dakota, as a guest host, discuss American Pie 2, and it is hilarious. I don't think I've seen that one. You don't have to. There's no <laughs> reason to watch that movie. It's terrible. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Right. Just listen to their commentary, and you'll get the whole sense of that entire movie. That that one's in my queue. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm sure it's good. The rest of his episodes are. It's very good. Subscribe to the uh, the Weird Mountain podcast, where they talk about anything that Dakota... Uh, Did you see the latest episode that went up is the one we're on? Yep, and it's Laugh or You it's Die. <laughs> it is an insane episode. Guys, a lot of fun happening on this podcast network right now. Uh, enjoy. Um, go fill your podcast Get queue. on the ground floor. Do it. Uh, we love you all. But that's going to do it for this week. For Binge in Moderation, I've been Garrett Hale. And I'm... Let me check. A critical fail. I don't know who I am. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm Dennis McGee. And always remember to binge moderately, my friends. <laughs> Bye-bye. Binge in Moderation is a podcast on the Weird Mountain Network. Find it on weirdmountainpodcast.com or on Twitter at binge underscore pod. The hosts are Garrett Hale and Dennis McGee, and they can be found on Twitter at GarrettHale89 and at Denny Trumpet. If you'd like to talk to us about this show or any of the other ones on this network, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash weirdmountainpodcast. Consider leaving us a review on iTunes, because the world needs more good things.